And there was one line in it, Matt, that just sparked my want to make a comic out of this. The lady said that they had to ban magic. Hi, I'm Matt McKee, and welcome to Cherry Bomb the Podcast, a series of conversations with people about food, art, and sustainability. Today, I'm speaking over Zoom with Roderick Curtis, writer, director, and curator of Royal House Comics in Long Beach, California. He is also the host of Royal House Comics Podcast, discussing indie comics and book publishing with his fellow artists, as well as Afrocentric creative content on Anchor FM. He's also the author of the upcoming books Pharaoh vs. Priest, to be released in fall later this year. This episode is sponsored by my Sweet Blast series of photographs. I created the Sweet Blast series of photographs such as Ready Pop, High Stakes, and Cukageddon with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of, you guessed it, art, food, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. You can browse and purchase images in the Sweet Blast collection at theartofmattmckee.com. Roderick, I really appreciate your time coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. The pleasure is mine. I'm really excited to discuss the art, food, and sustainability. I love it. So you're about to drop Pharaoh versus Priest, but also I noticed Dombe Cicada 7. Is that correct? Pharaoh versus Priest is my project okay. that I started maybe about a year and a half ago. All right. That is near completion. The novel is done. I had more ideas. So I reached out to the general public or social media space. But then I derived a team and we have about five series in total. Oh my gosh. Including priests that each have like a lead writer and a team of artists working on it. My gosh. You're staying busy. Yes. And that's the curator title comes from because I really do a number, you know, promoting these different series and these different artists and creators within our house. Fantastic. How did you get started with visual storytelling? My first idea that I wanted to bring to life. That experience happened in 2005 as I was a senior in college at Pitcher College, one of the Claremont colleges over here in, in Southern California. And I had a media project. I came up with an idea to do this Egyptian cross between magic and history and playing loose with a lot of the modes of thought about the evolution of Egypt and its, its ultimate fall of a great empire. So I came up with you know the Pharaoh or something like that mm-hmm. uh, back then. And it was an animated short. I did these rudimentary poses and stop camera animation, you know, moving on, capture, moving, capture. Oh, wow. I had a buddy put some background and I had a team do some music and voiceover. And we put together like this nice five minute movie that was the start or the origin, the seed of what Pharaoh versus Priest would become. So I sat on that idea for well <laughs> over a decade. And then in the pandemic, I have always wanted and I continued to develop the story. I wanted to bring it to life. And I thought, I'm just going to do it. So I wrote the book, knew I wanted to make it visual. So I figured I'd make a comic. Mm -hmm. Now I'm making both. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. You had told me in an email earlier that art for you is the necessary part of existence. It's what separates us from animals in a dreary existence. That's poetic in and of itself. What did you mean by that? I mean that Just as you alluded to, so few of us spend the time, the bulk of the day doing the things that we would do if we didn't have to do other things. Mm. You spend two hours, three hours in traffic just getting to a job (laughs) to sustain, right? As much as you love the radio or sure you'd (laughs) rather sit if you're a creative, would spend time bringing that to life or if you 
love relaxing and yes. traveling. You'd spend time doing that. I'm sure everybody would love to spend more time with their family. Yes. And so often our obligations take the forefront. And that's what I meant by dreary is spending time with your family, spending time with your love, your passion, spending time with the space and nature, if that's what brings light to your life. Mm-hmm. Everything else you know, that you're doing just seems like you're having to do it and kind of dreary. You're transitioning to doing this as uh, more of a business now, as opposed to before it was just a passion project. What kind of sparked it to become something that would be a a revenue stream for you? Well, you know, as I wrote the novel, Mm -hmm. it started as just me wanting to get this story, Mm. leave a message, leave my message to whoever reads what's in, you know, in my imagination and maybe sparks, Mm. you know, some thoughts, introspection of their own, especially for my children. Right, to be able to pick up and read their dad's book one day and to understand the themes and see the little nuggets of themselves and myself in their my interpretation of the world and history. But you know, as I'm researching writers and wanting to do more than just one book, it really has to be a business. Yeah. You spend money publishing and you spend time engaged in it. And if you do bring revenue, certain tax protections and things of that nature. You just have to be business savvy if you're going to do this kind of long-term. And I loved it so much. It was something that I thought I would want to do long-term, create more things that have just been coming to me since that first experience. Creativity begets creativity. I find it's easy to go down that rabbit hole. We talked a little bit online about you pulling together the Royal House Comics team. Who else is involved in your productions at this point? That's an interesting question because of the process. I'm new to comic creation. I've only been doing this since that first book, which is pretty near completion and hasn't even come out yet. Mm -hmm. But as I created this business and I figured there's so much opportunity to do this on a larger scale. And I thought looking into the indie space that people could benefit from this inspiration, this platform, this publishing company that I put together. Mm -hmm. And there's just tons of great ideas all over in in the indie space and just new stories and interesting characters and themes that people are playing with in the indie space that don't seem to really break the mainstream production criteria. Mm. I remember going to the first Iron Man movie and they seem to just be spitting out Marvel. Marvel just has this way that they do things. DC has this way that they do things and the the indie creators don't get to tell new stories, right? Yeah, Yeah, there's been a backlash, I think, to the superhero movies that are out there. There are these huge tentpoles that cost billions of dollars to put together once you get into all the marketing and everything else that goes into it. But when you have that much money riding on a project, do you want someone to be taking risks with that kind of a budget? If it fails, there's a lot of people who are going to get hurt along the way. Yeah, I think that's what happens when you're successful. You try to recreate that model. So when it was new, right, Iron Man and Captain Mm -hmm. America, bringing those comic book characters to the big screen, that was really cutting edge and kind of saved the comic book company and the mainstream comic book industry by going into a whole different platform, which is real modern, right? People are watching TV on their phones and streaming straight to their (laughs) living room, right? So it's yeah. It's, it's taking advantage of a new way people consume media. Yeah. And I figured with such great ideas, if there's a new way that people can consume indie comics, that we'd have something here. So I reached out in those indie spaces and just really laid it out there, man. I said, hey, who wants to make a publishing house? Just a real general statement like that. And I got a wide range of responses from how much are you paying? <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> of that was some of the first the first responses were the most direct. 
you know, how much are you paying? Is this a paid gig? And then I had people that really saw the dream that I was asking people to share in and said, well, hey, you know, what's, yeah, I'm interested, right? So anybody that was just, you know, yeah, I'm interested, I followed up with them. Hey, you know, what's your email? And kind of took it to the next stage. So I didn't really respond to anybody. I didn't feel sharing the power of that statement. That was just looking for a job. They, you were looking for somebody who had a passion. Exactly. So several people came on and my, I have a background in leadership. Right? I'm, a, I'm a high school football coach for over a decade. <laughs> Definitely leadership. <laughs> we got straight to work. Right? So any artist that came to that first email or writer, I said, you guys get together and make a character. Writer, you develop whatever you think. You know what I mean? Come up with a world and a character and I'm a pass it off to this artist and they're going to make the character. So it's just like a game kind of, yeah, right? So we end up coming up with these different characters and I saw who was serious, a priority for them. Yeah. And we went from one meeting to two and we figured out who could get me a character that was professional grade, mm -hmm. uh, which writers could really stick with the process. We came up over the course of maybe about a month and a half, 11 people, including me as a writer, four writers, seven artists that span across the globe from West Coast, South, East Coast in America, Nigeria, Lesotho, Belgium by way of Angola, Zambia. So wow. a lot of our series started off with just one character and one idea. We modeled that first experience yeah. and that's how we create series now. So when you're naming off those series, once we figured out who was on the team, we said, what's your passion project? Are you with an artist or a writer? Go make Cicada. Don Bay, who's really passionate about this project, that's myself and our artist Sunday, who, when you look at Don Bay, we're taking that series to market. Okay. Rumble and a few other, we got a superhero that's probably going to kick off the new year series, as well as some short one shots that will be streamed on YouTube, oh, wow. our Royal House Comics our YouTube channel. We want to kind of have this trio comics streaming webtoons on a YouTube channel or on our, on our website, and then novels, books. That, that can just kind of feed each other, each of our marketplaces with customers. YouTube is an easy distribution platform set up, but in terms of the comics themselves and the books, I'm old, so I envision books as, you know, hard copy. Ooh, old school, as my kids would tell me. How are you looking to distribute these? So the books, you know, we have CB Publishing and then we have Royal House Comics. Okay. Right. So we have a company that's our general publishing house, and then we have the comic book arm of that. Are you actually talking about printing? We are going to print as an ode to traditional comic making. <laughs> yeah. As a way to have something physical for marketing tools and, you know, have a few lines visible in a comic stores that we can get mm -hmm. in. But as a profit margin, that was one of the issues that I saw with indie comics in particular, but just comic books as an industry. Yeah. Uh, we kind of looked at models that were surviving as we're creating a comic book company, a publishing company. We looked at Shonen. Shonen is one of the top rated comic manga companies in the world. They sell mm -hmm. tons of units and they stop making print comics just due to the exchange of making a book and what it sells for in real business terms, right? Just product versus yeah. profit margin. So they are a purely digital comic release company okay. now. So I figured like these were the platforms that a new company would want to take advantage of. What do you think drives you personally to create? Well, I started off as an artist. I was an art minor, mm. but as I kind of got older, I, I create more and okay. find just as much joy out of thinking and bringing some source material, whether it be some history or some culture like Dombe 
or an idea like Afrofuturism to real life, like you said, to the IRL, whether that be digital or real mm. book, where that experience with Pharaoh versus Priest, having an idea of a character, giving it to an artist and actually seeing that character done well, where this was like, oh my goodness, like this was exactly what I had in my mind, if not better, to see one panel, two panel, just your story <laughs> that you've been watching in your head, like a like a movie come to life where somebody else can read it and experience it. It was just a fantastic experience and mm. it wasn't limited to just Pharaoh versus priests. So I'll tell you the story of Dombe. Okay. So after we got the team together, we had to decide, you know, our partner Chuck was like, we need a flagship Royal House comic series to come out. So I had this experience watching a documentary called, I think it was Vice or BBC on the sport of Dombe. Dombe is a real sport, a West African martial art where two combatants get into a dirt pitch ring and they wrap up one arm, right or left, just put one arm in this very thick cord. It's kind of draconian and, and old school. And there are rules to this martial art, right? You can only punch with that arm. It's called the spear arm. Oh, wow. And you can only block with the other hand. There's a technique to it. So you block with one arm and you punch with the other. It was so rich in visuals oh and so rich in history. It goes back hundreds of years, back to when they used to prepare for war and to prepare warriors for battle. So they have the shield hand, the spear hand. And if you get knocked down, it's called a kill. And the best three rounds wins. So I'm just watching this. Uh, I'm just experiencing this just incredible, rich culture. Oh, wow. And there was one line in it, Matt, that just sparked my want to make a comic out of this. The lady said that they had to ban magic in this sport. Oh, my God. They had to ban magic. So I don't know what that meant. I don't know if they meant they laced their glove with, like, poison <laughs> or if they, you know, <laughs> found ways to trick their opponent or called on some you know, God to give them extra power or a little psychological warfare in there. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? So I was like, I'm going to tell the story before they ban match. Oh, wow. It's a tournament based series. So we just figured how many crazy looking, exciting characters can we make that are Dombe fighters that have some access to magic or power. So it's just hard magic system. It's like Naruto on a tuning exams based in Africa, but like on steroids where like it's only Jonin or Kage level people fighting each other. And oh my God. there's an actual culture. So my African partners are like, yes, like, let's do that. I'll draw that. And I'm like, some of the writers made characters. So those characters are only from my mind. Everybody like jumped in. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll make this character. I'll write that character. And ultimately I'm writing the narrative, but it was an all hands on deck kind of experience. So mm. and we do a lot of Instagram marketing and work in the hashtag boards. So there's a huge following of Dombe of the actual sport and a pretty extensive hashtag board on Instagram. So we just started producing tons of characters and art and storylines. And we partnered with the equivalent of UFC in West Africa, Nigeria. They're called African Warriors Fighting Championships. Oh wow! It's very similar to our UFC or... Okay. or IBF, whatever our boxing organizations are, yeah. but they don't follow boxing. They follow Dombe. Yeah. So that's what we released in that book in early fall. Okay. It's in paneling right now, probably early fall for our first issue. And what that's what we're going to do with all our issues, you know, just try to come out this year yeah. and have an issue zero or one. And everybody has their other project that they're working on at Royal House as well. Wow. Wow. Oh man. I want to check this out. This sounds like a lot of fun read. 
YouTube Dambe, you'll see it, there's no like dancing around and like waiting to the twelfth round. No, it <laughs> sounds like, brutal. It sounds like a brutal sport. Oh yeah, there's no like leg kicking <laughs> in UFC or any. No, like you are punching and blocking and it's usually over pretty quick. This is truly a collaborative process though. One of the things I discovered probably 10 years into my career as a photographer, I started out as the lone wolf. I had a big head coming out of school and thought I knew everything. Of course, that got knocked on its butt really fast, but it really seems like the sum is always greater than the parts and that excitement of the collaboration, uh, that must be amazing working with a, such a diverse group of people. It really is. I really appreciate them allowing me to do kind of what I do best, which is bring teams together and lead groups of people to large goals, you know, lofty, ambitious goals, like mm. bringing five different series to market in a year. <laughs> so it was really cool to kind of get that last 11 people, serious creatives that were professional grade writers or artists for them to trust the process enough to give it the Royal House go. So if you look at all of our Dombe content, that's a mixture of seven different artists producing a piece. It's like the Wu-Tang model. Mm -hmm. That's what we said it would be like each okay. artist is a professional in their own right, but you're coming on to a joint track that just... yeah as a listener, as a reader, as a consumer of imaginative content, you're just like, oh man, Method Man's first was crazy. Oh man, Raekwon just dropped some <laughs> crazy lines on there. It's just like, I want to get that next Wu-Tang out. That's what we want to feel like. What is Royal House coming out with next? Oh, wow. So you've got this thing going on that they're all respected artists and everyone is working to their own levels. But at the same time, there's that competition to, oh, he came up with that. I'm going to come up with this. I got to top him. I got to get as close to topping him as possible without the ego getting involved of bashing the other person. Really with the support, it's really more supportive. So we, we have some collaborations, which are like when one artist does the lines and the other artist does the color, those are some of our best pieces, right? Some of our best stories are when one writer, like Dombe, Dombe wasn't leading the narrative, but there was space for all the other writers to come in and say, do this with the story. These are some powers that would just make a crazy character that needs to be part of the story. So yeah, the collaboration is really full in and people like want to relinquish the idea to the team because it's just going to be that oh, much better. Fantastic. Do you have financing behind this or is it all just self-finance? Everyone is putting in their time for the collaborative and payoff is later? portion of it that's later, right? And that's kind of getting artists to understand the power of equity mm -hmm. and a long-term business venture and to think beyond just for a higher commission-based model. Now they yeah. do get paid for their work, but it's considered like an in-house rate, okay. whatever their rate for a normal commission, that is their buy-in. I got them to think about the power of staying on their creation for the duration of that creation's existence. Okay. Yeah. How many artists create a character and give it to a bright business mind that knows what value an IP has beyond just the physical comic book? So mm -hmm. merchandising or eventual licensing of a series just has so much power for return on initial investment of time. So it's like a publishing model. So we share 25% of revenue for the lifetime of their ship in Royal House. So if Dombe ends up going to Disney for the next movie series that comes out, yeah. these guys are going to be raking it in.
Exactly. And they've gotten value up front for their time and effort. So it's not free work or anything like that. However, it is a lot more sustainable for a creator like myself to be able to fund the making of a comic book or the production of a piece of art. Mm. That was one of the issues of indie comics that I saw right up front. That's wild. That's fantastic. If you could go back to your younger self way back when and tell yourself one secret of success. What would you tell yourself? Get on top of your your financial and business game a lot sooner. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because our energy is so vibrant in our younger days. Mm-hmm. I thought of Pharaoh versus Priest back as a senior in college. So if I could have gotten on top of... And I think this is the beauty of being young in this time now, just access to information and mm-hmm. If a young creators listen to this podcast that has that time to say, yeah, I have a comic book in my mind and I'm listening to Matt and Roderick talk, you know, how do I make a publishing company? Yeah. How do I build a team and how do I make this issue at 25 instead of 37, right? <laughs> to, to learn those mistakes in the industry that I'm sure I'm going to have to learn as I'm just getting in. Yeah to kind of have that longevity because I, I just can't imagine how proud we're going to be if we sustain this for three, five years mm-hmm. to be able to look back and say that was time well spent, that was money well spent, and we can look back at the fruits of our labor. So Absolutely. if I can go back and talk to myself, don't sit on this idea for a decade, learn what you need to learn, get on top of your business and financial savvy, get serious, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you like your legacy to be? My legacy, I think, starts a little close to home for my kids to be able to pick one of my books up or they see me as a creator Mm. in an art space, in a creative space, not just uh, successful in my profession or my career, which is important, but to be able to follow a passion to an end that generates money that allows me to not stress for the dollar, Mm -hmm. but to wake up in passion by what I'm about to create next Mm. for the next day and the next project to always be new. Yeah. My little son, his name is David. He'll be six years old in mm, September. Great age. Yeah, yeah. Great age for imagination. Oh, yeah. Muck and wild, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're walking and he's just being a kid. And I think his sisters might have told him he couldn't do something or, you know, they're just looking out for him. And he's like, mm-hmm. dad, oh, my demons are, are getting angry and they're going to destroy the world. And I'm like, oh, my. How crazy of a comic book idea is that? Oh, that's beautiful. So I'm making a short story called David's Demons Destroy the World. (laughs) Gets bullied on campus and uh, he's telling his grandpa the story. And as you tell the story, you kind of relive the emotion. (laughs) His demons like manifest and they're not just like ethereal. They can like knock over buildings, chasing the bully. And then like his grandpa teaches him about getting over anger. And right at the moment that his demons are going to get the bully, his angel steps in, casts away all the demons. So... It's really a story about how powerful our youth can be. They either have power to destroy the world or save it as young people that are going to be taken over next for us. So, you know, just the imagination that and inspiration that comes from everywhere. Now that I am in this space, like just something like that can just spark a story or a short webtoon as, you know, me watching that uh, Dombe interview just sparked not just the idea, but also the ability to put the team on it now and bring these ideas to life. That's beautiful. And that's actually a story I would really enjoy reading. Awesome. My last question, occasionally a stumper question, but I always want to ask this because of my relationship to it. At the end of the day, Roderick, what's your comfort food? 
Have you ever heard the term soul food? I have heard the term. I'm not sure exactly what it is. In the Black community, soul food is very rich palette of things like M's and Southern style oh, barbecue. Right? Yeah. I know you're familiar with oh, yeah. Texas and Tennessee barbecue beans that just drenched in brown sugar. <laughs> um, uh, right, so I guess I do know what soul cheese. food is because it feeds my soul oh, too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think it's beyond just, you know, a race and culture. If you're going to eat some soul food, it is going to be a, a spiritual experience. Oh, that's my favorite food right there. Yes, absolutely. Very good. I really appreciate you listening to this episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. Today's guest is Roderick Curtis. He can be found at royalhousecomics.com, on Instagram at royal underscore house underscore comics, and on his podcast on Spotify and Anchor FM. Definitely check it out. That's Royal House Comics. Please remember to share this episode to your Facebook and Twitter and all your social media so your friends can listen and join in the conversation. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, feel free to drop me a line, matt at mckeephotography.com, on Instagram at mckee underscore photo, and on Twitter at mckeephoto. This episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast could not have been made without the help of Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Art, the specialist in coaching for creatives, and editing by Bill Shamlian at Orb Sound. Thanks for listening, and let's... Start the conversation.